0: the work that God has done in this body, in this church, and I'm just humbled to be a part of some incredible servants of God. I just even am humbled to be a part of a train of pastors who have had huge impact, all the way, I think, of Pastor Berggren, and, and then uh, and there's others been away, and John Votter, and then after him, uh, George, your dad. Where are you, George? Somewhere over here. Um, and then for the opportunity to take and to build on this incredible legacy that, that, that God is doing. And I, I listened to this and I just thought, um, the thought that came to me is one of the things that I, I love about this is that this, this, this song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right? And, and, a, and a group of people over years who have said the Bible is important. It is the word of God that tells us about the most important thing that we're going to answer someday when we stand before God. It's going to be, have you loved me with all your heart, and have you loved others? And, and not only have you seen it in the lives of people, um, but it's all about this kind of legacy of love that God is providing. Let's just bow our heads. Father, let's take these few moments that we've carved out of this morning to celebrate and uh, allow for your word to just speak to your heart now in the present We thank you for what you've done in the past. We thank you from the voices of those who in this last video just talked about how, God, you are using the people here to touch lives of people here and around the world. And, God, we want to be people who leave a legacy for the future generations as well. And so we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I uh, think about the idea of legacy, and, and, and you will leave a legacy whether you intend to or not, right? I, I, I heard a story a, a number of years ago by Mickey Mantle, the great baseball legend Mickey Mantle, and he talked about Billy Martin. And Billy Martin, you should be familiar with Billy Martin because in 1969, he was a manager here. Before that, he played for the Yankees second base, was on that incredible team. But he came here, and he was just known as a manager, as the kind of guy who could take losers and make winners out of them. He was the kind of guy that was also known that he would, on an impulse, explode and be on top of an umpire with a tirade of anger that would get him kicked out of the game. Well, Mantle loved to tell the story. You can YouTube it. You know, and, and some people say it's apocryphal, but Mantle swears by it. He says that one time he had called up Billy Martin, and Billy Martin was down in Dallas. He was um, now the manager of the Texas Rangers, and they were kind of the t- turnaround gang. Anybody remember the turnaround gang? And, and this team had won, and, and so he was congratulating him. And, and Martin goes, yeah, it's really cool. The ownership, were so happy for what had happened, they gave me this brand new rifle for deer hunting, and I'd love to use it. And Manson said, oh, I, I got a great idea. I have a, a doctor friend who has this large ranch just outside of San Antonio. He goes, Oh, let's do it. He goes, he says, let's go shoot some deer. And he goes, Well, you know, it's about four to five hours away, and we're gonna have to drive there, which means you're gonna have to get up at like four in the morning. And, and he goes, No, I, I want to use this thing, I wanna, I wanna try this out. And so he says, Fine, I'll go ahead and do it. Well, I don't know if you're the personality like a mantle and Martin, that you don't have to actually call people to ask permission to be on something. You just show up and they go, Yeah, sure. Use my land. So, so Mantle and him drive up, they get there in the morning. Mantle says, Let me just go talk to the doctor. And let him know we're going to be out in the back acres, a couple hundred acres. And he says, okay, great. And he says, just stay here, Billy. He goes up. He talks to the doctor. The doctor says, oh, yeah, you can use the 200 acres back there. you got to go through the barn. He says, by the way, when you go through the barn, I have an old mule, 20 years old. Hasn't worked for 10 years. So what I'd love for you to do is, I don't have the heart to put it down. I'm going to have someone put it down. He says, it would a lot less, Would you just put it down for me? He goes, no, I don't want He goes, no, no. Would you please say, I mean, you know that's the least you could do to use my land. He goes, okay, fine, fine. On his way back to the car, he decides he's going to pull a joke on Billy Martin. He comes to the car, he opens the door, yanks it, him, and goes, "I can't believe that guy! We travel four plus hours to get out here, and he he won't even let us hunt on the land." He goes, "Give me my shot, give me my gun." So he takes his gun. He goes, "I'm going to go." What are you going to do? He goes, "I'm going to go shoot his mule." <laughs> so he goes over there. He takes his gun. He pops the thing and the mule goes down like that and over his shoulder hears pop, pop, pop like that. He turns over, Billy Martin, kind of the, you know, he'll blow up in a moment's moment, he turns to me and he says, Billy, what did you do? He goes, I took down three cows. <laughs> yeah. Now, whether that's true, it's almost believable because you know how Billy Martin would explode with anger because we are people who leave a legacy. Whether you want to or not. And this morning is truly about God, not us. I really believe it's an opportunity for God to speak to our hearts and say, God, what do you want us to do? It's been, people have asked me about this whole Grow and Gather campaign and i just said, you know God, Uh, I've just said to the Lord, I've told him, I said, you know, God, whatever you provide, we will, as elders and a congregation, say thank you, and we will continue just to step forward in faith and do what you've called us to do because that's what every generation before us here has done. Because Jesus loves me, this I know, the Bible tells me so. And we are people of the word who will be people of faith who will do this. We will be guided by the word of God to love people into the kingdom of God. And so, as I was thinking about this, I, I, I thought, well, I, I would love to share with you 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 16 through 18, these few verses that really are the heart of David with regard to legacy. Um, this whole, if you really want to look at the book of Chronicles, it was almost a, a book of legacy. Specifically, if you get back to, if you, if you weren't here the last few weeks, I'm really grateful for the message George did last Sunday to build on what we started on the week before that. We started actually in 1 Chronicles 21, and, and it's all about David's desire to leave a legacy. He goes, God, I want to build a place for you. And this story is about where the place was built. And what's so cool about the story, as you remember, a couple of weeks ago, it was because David had sinned, and in, in, in this place of judgment where he was in his... He himself and the people were experiencing the punishment of God. David cried out to God and said, God, have mercy. And God stopped at this certain point. And in that place, we read in 1 Chronicles 22, 1, then David said, the house of the Lord is to be here. Built on the place of grace. The acknowledgement of my sin that needs judgment, but a God who intervenes and brings grace. Because mercy always triumphs over judgment. And then we looked last week in George Sheridan, 1 Chronicles 22, and specifically this sense of awe, because when there's grace, you just got to go, oh, I can't believe this. And David said, I want this place. So he was about physical things for a moment, because he knows that physical things sometimes facilitates the spiritual work of God. So he stops, and and he says in verse 5, this temple, which is built on grace, Listen to what he says, David said, the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Ah, David, don't put money in the temple, you don't need to. He goes, no, God's calling us to do this because he wants people to see him, even in this physical way, the incredible splendor that when they look at this nation, they go, wow, this God must be something else. So you read through this and it's all about the, David's heart to leave a legacy. Go to chapter 23, it talks about the Levites that he gets in order who are serving the temple. Go to chapter 24, it's about the priests who oversee the sacrifices at the temple. You go to chapter 25, I'm kind of condensing these for you so we won't go through it all. Are you okay with that? Talks about the singers, which is a really interesting thing. It's the sons of Asaph and Haman and Jeduthan for the ministry of prophesying accompanied by... And we think of prophecy, future telling. The word prophecy, I did this whole study. You want to come to a class sometime on it? The New Testament is all about proclaiming the now word of God. It's not the word of God, the, the Bible, but it's the now word of God. God speaking to the heart of people in the moment. And, and, and he, he had this desire that God would be speaking through his people. Verse chapter 26 and 27, he lists gatekeepers and treasures in the military who would be protectors of the land and temple. And then in 28, he gives the plans, specific plans. You see how this is a legacy gift? Because finally he gets to chapter 29, and he goes, I'm going to give my everything. And he gives these gifts for the temple as an expression of awe. And in chapter 29, verses 10 through 13, it's this incredible poem and praise and, and, and song of thank you, God, everything we've given, you've given to us in the first place. And then you get to verse 16, and it's about gratitude and hope. Let me just say this, that if you want to build your life on two things, which I think the Bible talks about, there are two things to build your life on. Gratitude, which we've done, the past, you're thankful for. Gratitude, for the present, for what God is doing right now. And then hope, which you have in the present, which also extends in the future, because you have confidence that this God is sovereign, and he loves you, and he cares for you, because the Bible tells you so. And so he goes ahead. And there's two elements in his prayer. This is of gratitude. Listen to verse sixteen. David looks with gratitude to the past. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for the building you a temple for the holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. We're just providing what you've given. Our very breath, your very breath, my very breath. Every day we can go, thank you. After you take a breath, you go, thank you, God. Because that very breath was from you, it's not mine. The very abilities that you have, the talents and gifts that you have, the ability to go out and to work and to make money to provide for your family, to provide for yourself, to provide for your future, are all gifts that are given by God. We give only what he has given us. And then verse 17, with gratitude, then David recognizes God's present goodness to the people's, catches the people's willing response. He wants to leave a legacy. And all of a sudden, all the people go, I do too. I want to be a part of this. And so he says, I know my God. That you test the heart and are pleased with the integrity and all these things I've given willingly with honest intent. He's talking about self. And then he goes, and now I have seen with joy how willingly. I love that, with joy. You have an opportunity for God to speak to your heart, to do whatever God calls you to do. It's just up to you and God. But my here's my prayer, that you will do it with willingness and joy. Put every place in your heart. And he says, with joy, how willingly your people who are here that day present have given to you. In a sense, David is saying this morning as we come before you, you see our heart. It was kind of their celebration Sunday. You test the heart, you're pleased with integrity. That's all he desires is integrity. You're able to examine to see even down to the root of our motivation. You love it when you when you see people giving willingly. You're thrilled when people give with joy. And you know when we have given our most and our best and that's what pleases you God. And then in verse 18, he moves to this hope. And this is what I want to take just a few moments just to kind of get you to think about this, because this is what's so cool about this whole thing. If you read these verses, you're going to find that David could care really, in many ways, the place wasn't anything as important as the people. Right? Right? Everything we've looked at, how many, you know, we, there's some buildings and facilities, and facilities are just, uh, are just uh, things that help facil- facilitate growth. When I was with Pastor Z at your church, we were at one time at a little study, and, and one person asked me, because you guys are in the midst of, of building something, and I think they were having some questions, I said, well, what do you think about us putting money into that? And I said, well, let me ask you, because they were holding a cup of coffee, I said, um, how important is that cup for you to drink that coffee? I said, that's all facilities do. They facilitate the opportunity for the the life-giving water of, of Christ to touch other people's hearts. And so what he gets into, it's so interesting. Listen to what he says in verse 18: Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. Here is his desire for a legacy. The building was really secondary to it david prays for two things and what i the reason you need to understand this is because of what he says in here note two things how he addresses god and what he asks god two things so he addresses god david and the people have provided all these wonderful gifts it wasn't from their own hand god himself gives it and he addresses god in a in a way that i think would be kind of unusual when i looked at this i thought Look at what he could have chosen. He could have chosen these names for God. He could have said and addressed him, Lord, the God Almighty, Jehovah El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. That would make sense to turn to him and say the God who provides. Jehovah El Elyon, the Lord the Most High. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord who is my banner. Jehovah Raha, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah El Olan, the Lord everlasting God. You can go through all these names in the Old Testament. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is peace. He doesn't use one of those many names of God. He turns to God and he highlights this character of God. David prays to Jehovah Elohim, Ava Tanu, the God of our father. And then he lists Abraham, Isaac. And what's interesting here? What's the next name? He uses the name Israel. What would you normally expect? Some, I just, a little kind of, what, what would you normally expect? jacob you see his whole heart is about the work that gets done in people's lives so he says god of our fathers the generations and then he uses names that typically might end with jacob but he gives him the new name that god gave him the name israel which meant the god of what the people and they knew that and then he asked god this incredibly wonderful thing Keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. Isn't that our prayer? It's not about buildings, it's about people. Not about a place. That that very thought in our hearts is the Hebrew word for imagination. The phrase, keep these desires and thoughts in our hearts, comes from Genesis chapter 6-5. So when he uses these words, they're very important words that they would go back in their mind Because here's where the thoughts and desires of the heart of the world actually goes. Listen to what it says in Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness on the earth had become, and every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Your imagination, my imagination is incredibly important. Kids, your imagination, what you fill your mind with, with images and the things, they, they have an ability to influence you. And he says, I just want your imagination. I want the people's imagination. Our prayer this morning is not about putting up some kind of facility and building. It's God, would you use these facilities to touch the hearts and lives of people in the future so that their imaginations are filled with your love and your goodness that transforms us to be loving and good people so that everywhere we go, people's lives are touched. It's the same same word that's used in Isaiah 26.3. You, God, will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed on you. Let I me mean, just read it to you the way I think it would be. If you want to be really literal, you God will keep in perfect peace. He whose imagination, he who the desires and thoughts in their hearts, is always locked onto you. You want to live in peace? Just lock your mind, not onto the worries and the problems and all the things, but just lock them onto God. Fill your imagination with them. And he's praying, "Thank you, God, for providing this. Thank you." And may the generations of your people keep every imagination, every inclination of their thoughts, of their hearts, filled with you only now and forever. You know, what's really interesting about this is, 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 is when you think about the temple, didn't David, he provided everything. And, it, you know, all Solomon had to do is build it, right? But throughout history, how do we know that temple? What do we call it? Whose temple is it? What? Solomon's temple. It's Solomon's referred It's Solomon's temple. Do you know what's referred to when you think about David? You're always, not to some building, you're always talking about the line of David which shows up in the temple, the unique temple of God in Jesus Christ who pours out his Holy Spirit into the lives of people who are now living temples so that everywhere you go, you bring the presence of God. And so you get this incredible picture of him saying, God, I'd really like to be known. My legacy... I'll put the building up. I'll make it all possible for Solomon. I don't care if Solomon gets credit for the building. I I just want to be in the line of the people who are always remembered as filling the temple of their hearts with the love of God because the Bible tells me this is what's important. And so he ends with this kind of request. and, And I began to think about it in this way. May we, as we willingly with joy, give ourselves and our gifts, imagine a facility that facilitates opportunities for many people to be touched by God and to know and grow in their relationship with God and one another and to youth their relationship, touch the world as we've been doing in the past and continue to do in the present and will do into the future. This is how we've been saying it lately. Lord Jesus, allow us to construct this facility and the necessary improvements so that we might as those before us did who started this, build a place that promotes a people whose imagination are filled in ways, with just filled with ways to bring others into the love of God. Now think about it seriously. If you're going to leave a legacy, any reasonable person, any parent who has a sizable estate is not really most concerned about their money. If they are, there's something wrong. You're concerned about what the people who will receive that money any business owner, in many ways, may be concerned about their company, but reality, what you're really concerned about is the mission and cause that it seems to be fulfilling. How many businesses do you go down to Minneapolis have names on it that now are either apartment buildings or like I- IMS, International Markets, what you can name, all the, you know, all the mills? David is about the mission, the cause, that he wanted carried on through the generations so that every generation that followed this first generation would help all people, like we talked about, to take their next step to know, follow, and become like Jesus. Five founding women gathered together and prayed, not for a building, not for a place, because this church has been in other places than just this place, but prayed for a people who would say, Jesus loves me, and because of that love, I'm going to tell others, because I know about this love, because the Bible has told me so. And I want to live that love out. So what I wanted to do is take a few moments, and I had actually asked Mark and Ann Mallory, who have come to the church back in, in the fall, and, and what I find so interesting about this church, a person had said, well, if you're ever going to build facilities, you know what you want to do? Don't build a facility that's open on Sundays. Let me tell you folks, and I could have our facility people stand over. He said, build a facility that's open 24 seven. And I was gonna have Mark and Ann come up and just share because their story's kind of unique and I'll just share with it real quickly. I wish they could, we were here. What, the reason they can't is because I got a text at the men's retreat yesterday where they said, um, our daughter and Ann aren't feeling well. And then I got a text a little bit later. We came back and they have strep. I got a text last night. Guess what? I have a sore throat and a fever. But he had written it out for me, and he just shared with me. You know, they came to this church, and they came through um, Sunshine Corner which is open, you know, we have that open for people. And Three Sunshine Corner, they saw there was a class on Wednesday night, Love and Respect, because they wanted to develop their marriages. There are some things in their marriage they wanted to develop. They went to that class. When they went to that class, they were in touch with other people who welcomed and loved them and received them. They hadn't been going to church. They didn't No, they came here on a Sunday morning as a result of that. They said, he said, I've never been so welcome. He said, in fact, I came to the church and for the first time in my life, he said, you gotta realize this, Kevin, this is a big deal for me. He said, I started taking notes. And they've gotten involved in the marriage retreat and Mark comes to my morning group on Mondays and it's just been, it's really fun to hear their story. But in lieu of that, we got another story. So I'm gonna ask Julian and I'm gonna ask Testis to come up and just share real quickly. Um, What's so cool about this is I'm sitting in this group yesterday in the men's retreat and Julian's there and he's sharing some things. And I thought, as I got that email that they're not gonna make it, I I said, Julian, Don't ever be in my small group. (laughs) I said, would you guys be willing to share? So I'm going to say, it's just a brief window into your life, because that's what I promised that we wouldn't do a whole lot more. But when did you guys start attending? Um, We've been attending every Sunday for about two months now. Yeah. And what was your experience? Uh, We were looking for a place where we found some authentic community and um, some relationships we could build and potentially even some mentorship. Yeah. And Julian, you had mentioned to me that the first time you came was back in 2012, Father's Day, when we had Leslie Frazier here, and it wasn't until then a few months ago that you came back. How, what's your experience been like as God's been touching you through people's lives? Yeah, well, back then, and just like now, what I, oh, what I saw then and what I saw now, I saw uh, experience uh, uh people I saw men and women who I thought could really example to, to us what uh what God's love and his compassion and, and the genuineness that we can take and apply to our life, reconcile our complexities and also to other people. So that's what I saw so, at that time. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing with us.